So welcome to another in the uh, Dolby Institute and Soundworks podcast series. We're having conversations with sound artists. And I'm super thrilled today we're here at the uh, Technicolor Paramount facility on the historic Paramount Pictures lot in Hollywood. And we're talking with Anna Belmer today, who is a re-recording mixer and kind of... Um, I'm not, I'm not going to say a legend in our business because you know that that implies that uh, that you've been around for you know for forever and a day, but you do have ten Oscar nominations to your credit, and we, you were the first woman to be nominated for for an Oscar for Best Sound. Yes, I was, and and the legend thing does bother me a little bit because it does make <laughs> me sound old. So let's uh let's skip that. Absolutely, but. You know, I, I just do want to embarrass you a little bit by saying, uh, like, this list of movies that you've worked on is just amazing, from J.J. Abrams' Star Trek uh, through War of the Worlds, um, Thin Red Line, which is a movie that I absolutely loved. Me um, too. And Evita. What an amazing, yeah. what an amazing experience yeah. that must have been for you. Um, and some of my, I mean, L.A. Confidential and Moulin Rouge. I <laughs> I mean, yeah. amazing sound work in those films. I've been really fortunate. I've, I've worked on some really great films with some really fantastic filmmakers. Um, yeah, it's been it's been great. And recently, Fifty Shades of Grey, which is, of course, everyone's favorite soft uh, soft erotic film, right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what that is. Everyone's <laughs> favorite. So. You know, uh, we were talking a little bit before we rolled about, like, who's going to be listening to this podcast? And I think there's going to be um, some industry people, but we have, a, well, I'm sure we'll have some sound uh, nerds as well. But for the uninitiated, why don't you just explain to us what a re-recording mixer does and, and what, you're, what, what you do on the film? Uh, what a, Very basically, what a re-recording mixer does is um, put the dialogue, the music, and the sound effects together together. Uh, after they all of that material has been edited by uh, by sound editors, and uh, so that comes to us, and we work in a in an environment that looks like a movie theater with a very large screen, and it, we have a very large mixing console, and uh, we take the elements of the dialogue, the music, and the sound effects, and we balance them against each other. And using um, equalization, adding reverb, um, we put it in the room spatially using panning, and um, you know create the soundtrack. Uh, you know to to enhance the experience of going to the movies, and the, you know and we do that in several formats. You know whether it is five one is I believe still the most common. Um, which is a left center right, left round, right round, with and with an LFE, which is a low end boom channel, which is it indicate that's what 5.1 indicates. Mm -hmm. And then there are several other formats now: 7.1, um, Atmos, uh, Oro, and they're all uh, just bigger, better formats. <laughs> <laughs> More immersive. More immersive say. formats, exactly. Well, I'm curious. Um, you know, what what was your what did did you did you dream of being a re-recording mixer when you were a little girl? No, of course not. <laughs> so, how did you get in? How did you get into this crazy business, and how did you find yourself being here? Um, it's uh, oh God, it's it's always about a boy. <laughs> I was dating uh, my um, I was dating a guy who was a sound engineer at a very small facility in Hollywood called Writer Sound. And um, I remember writer sound. Yeah, 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 back in the day. Yeah, 
And I was going to college and changing semester, changing majors every semester. What <laughs> am I going to be? I think the, the last thing I thought I was going to be was a lawyer. So I was thinking about taking the LSAT. And I did that too. Are you a native Angelino? I am. Oh, okay. There's so there's so few of you guys, you know, native natives here. Everybody I'm seems an, to have landed here from someplace else. I grew up here, and a lot of my friends grew up here, so yeah. I know a lot of native Angelinos. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so when I was going to school, uh, I was dating this sound engineer, and the only time I could see him was if I went to the studio <laughs> and hung out. So I did, and uh, since I was there, I might as well help. So in those days, we used to have to thread reproducers, and it was. 35 millimeter film mm. so uh i would you know learned how to hang the dump you know hang them on the dummies and thread them up and uh so anyway i was there a lot so you were back in the machine room back hanging, in the hanging, machine room hanging, hanging dubbers right yes yeah. back in the machine room hanging dubbers and um one day this mixer walks out his name is gary bourgeois <laughs> he walked out and he said um you spend so much time here you should get yourself a union card and literally, I thought, wow, that's a good idea. I uh -huh. should get myself, I need a job. I should get myself a union card. And then they said to me, well, go over to Glen Glen. They actually hire women over there. I think there's two. They actually hire women. That's what they said. Uh-huh. That's amazing. It is amazing because there were none. None. Yeah. So it was, I'm not going to tell you what year. <laughs> Because there's that dating it thing. It wasn't that long ago. It was, <laughs> it was a while ago. It was well, 80s. Yeah. So, and that was kind of a go-go era in Los Angeles sound, wasn't it? I mean, in terms of, of I mean, there, there were big movies, you know, Beverly Hills Cop. And yeah. And those kind of movies were getting done. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and but i think i'm i'm curious to hear you talk about that because i think it's still the case that that post production sound is a very male dominated you know business it, it's it's much better now but yeah. then it was it was ridiculous were you the only re-recording mixer at that really in the end well you know what for feature films when i in 1989 yes yeah i was i mean there i think there was there was one other who was in television, and then uh -huh. there was one other who was an ADR mixer. Wow. Yeah. Not a lot of support for you guys, was there? No, not at all. Not at all. So um, I, I went over to Glen Glen because they hired women over there. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a woman who was in charge of scheduling and hiring. And wow. I walked into her office, and I said, you know, hi, I'm really interested. Can you help me? And she literally, she said, yeah, okay. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. You know? And I've so seen was, her since. <laughs> what was the first movie? For, oh, when I first... Mixing? Yeah. Um, remember. Kindergarten Cop. Really? Yeah. Ivan Reitman. Yeah. Yeah. Ivan Reitman. And I have just recently done a film with Ivan Reitman called Draft Day. Uh-huh. All yeah, these years later. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. That's great. That's that's one of the things I love about this business is, mm -hmm. you know, when when people do form loyalties and relationships and you get to, you know, grow your career with with somebody else and Yeah. That's uh, it's it's really uh, amazingly satisfying. Yeah, he's great. I worked with him and uh Shelley Kahn, his editor, who he still 
is his editor, and, and they kind of, you know, it was one of those, well, we discovered you. Right. <laughs> this is great. Have you all, so you mix sound effects. Mm-hmm. Ha, has it been that way since the beginning? Is that, is, was that where you initially focused in on? I had, yes, I've always mixed sound effects. I like mixing sound effects. I mean, now that I'm here, I do a little more of different things, but I prim- primarily enjoy mixing sound effects. So the, and, and for those who don't know, in a typical tube mixer setup, you've got one mixer who's mixing dialogue and music and then another mixer who's mixing the sound effects. And so the, um, the, the, the dialogue and music side wasn't, uh, wasn't that appealing to you? No, not really. I mean, you know what? Now that I've kind of messed around with all of it, I, I like mixing music because mm-hmm. it's fun <laughs> and sound effects are fun. I, I'm not really drawn to mixing dialogue. It's um, it's incredibly tedious. It's very tedious. It's if you, very tedious. If you've ever sat on a mixing stage during a dialogue pre-dub, you yes. know how tedious that is. It is tedious. Yeah. And and my hat's off to those people who do it so yeah. well. Yeah. But it's it's tough. And uh, it's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So, I mean, obviously the technology has changed mm-hmm. quite a bit over the, the, the course of, of time that, that you've been, because you obviously saw the, the digital revolution. Yes. Come, but I'm curious to hear from your perspective, from an artistic creative standpoint, has the technology changed what you do and the approach that you take to mixing? It, it doesn't really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the source material is better. The, um, the way things are recorded and, and laid out and um, the accuracy that in which we can do things is is so much improved. But I think that the great part is that all of that is kind of behind the scenes, mm-hmm. at least as far the way I work, and it's still completely a, a feel, kind of emotional, artistic thing mixing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I was always taught. I worked with uh, Richard Portman early in my career. Who was just a legend. Now, and, uh, that, we can use legend when yes, we talk about Richard, Richard Portman. Richard Portman was a legend. And he always would say to me, just watch the picture. It tells you what it needs. Interesting. Just watch the picture. It's, it's like a photograph, you know. Um, build it. You know, put the backgrounds in and then put, put the main effects in. And then, you know, just keep layering it like you would with uh, in photography. Right. And uh, so I've always watch the picture you know so for me looking at a screen a pro Tools screen isn't natural mm-hmm. and and i still it's not natural but i do it but it's not it's fine it's not distracting it's fine <laughs> you know <laughs> i just i pretty much yeah pretty much do it's not that different it, it really isn't well i want to talk with you a, a little bit about you know pro tools and how that's changed you know what you do as a mixer but i also i'm just kind of curious because I, I you know i i started my career um you know as a post-production kind of executive before i went up to, to skywalker and and i was sort of at the at that transition point between analog and digital and the thing that i saw happening you know really because that limitation on the headroom mm-hmm. largely disappeared with the transition to digital yes and movies got a lot louder mm-hmm. um often to, i think to the disservice of of uh of the film because you know sometimes you know by the time the director and the editor get to you on the mixing stage they've been living with the thing for so long right that sometimes they just want to you know amp it up just to uh, you know 
get their get their juices you know flowing again around it we were kids in a candy shop we had a new toy right you know and and it's true for a while there tracks were really crazy loud but we all figured it out it settled back down (laughs) we settled back down don't you think i think largely it's it's interesting we were talking before before we rolled about you know quiet mixes and the role of you know silence in film i I, i'm i'm i think people are coming back to that again in, in, in a way i think it's apparent i think it's very apparent in the way just when you look at the things that were nominated for sound, I mean, these days, as opposed to, you know, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. it used to just always be the biggest blockbuster, the loudest blockbuster, the ones with the the most sound in them. Right. I mean, sound by the pound. Yeah, pretty much. And, and yeah. it's not like that anymore. Yeah. It's more about delicacy and, and taste and things that are different. I mean, I really love going to the movies and hearing something I've never heard, mm-hmm. you know the creativity that it takes to create that stuff it's it's uh, it's so different yeah and, I, I, this is always a tricky question but i'm curious whose work um do you particularly ad- admire uh other mixers in, in in our industry gary rydstrom yeah it's probably a hands down everybody says the I, same yeah, thing he's just doing he's he yeah. yeah what do you what do you what do you respond to in gary's work Gary's work has such clarity, mm-hmm. you know, um, I can, t- it's so he, his work helps focus the storytelling always. Mm. And it's, it's never, there's never too much and there's never too little, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's, it's always just right. And uh, yeah, I admire him a lot. I think he's very, very talented. Trying to think who else. You know who else is a really fine mixer? Mike Minkler. He is. He is. Yeah. He is. So I mean, I remember hearing "Born on the Fourth of July," and and just being completely blown away. Right. Or and the Doors again, completely blown away. I think I had that. I had that experience with probably Mike's track on Chicago just the clarity and, and and it's it's exactly what you said which is clarity and detail yeah i don't know how he does it i don't know what sort of magic pixie dust he spreads over that dialogue track but it just yeah i know it sparkles yeah yeah, yeah. it's true so uh what's this picture you're working on now i'm working on a film for paramount called daddy's home it's a comedy with will ferrell and um Mark Wahlberg, mm-hmm. who's in everything. <laughs> he is. He's having a busy time right <laughs> yeah, now, isn't he? Yeah, busy. Well, I, you know, when I was looking at your credit list, I noticed, you know, you do, you have a wide variety of pictures, um, genres that you've worked on. You've worked on a lot of big action pictures, obviously, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of comedy on your on your on your reel as well. Uh, Three Stooges, of course, we 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 we, yeah, we, right. we must mention. Um, Anchorman too. Right. Um, and this picture. What, for you, on on the sound effects side of the board, um, is there a different approach to comedy as opposed to? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's probably fewer sound effects that there are in a big action film. But it is, and you really have to uh, stay very closely to what the um, picture editor and the director have been living with. Mm. It's it's not. You can't really go too far with a comedy. It's a, it's not, it's a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really have a lot of freedom to do as much as you'd like because you know you don't want to make it not funny. 
Right. I, I did a film years ago with a director, and um, he literally said, you killed the comedy. You changed the sound effect. You killed the comedy. Really? Yeah. Was he right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Of course he wasn't right. But he was used to it a certain way. Right. Right. And then, you know, and then they'll go out and test, and if it doesn't get the same numbers or as many laughs, then, you know, oh, well, we changed that. Shouldn't change anything. And there's that concept, you know. I had never thought about that. I, feel, I, I, I wonder if, if um, comedy directors and, and editors, if they're more just inherently superstitious because, you know, it's so, it's so ephemeral comedy. You never know, you know, exactly how it's going to play. If there's a body fall in a comedy and it, it gets a laugh, and let's say you changed it, made it can't, bigger. You can't touch it. And it doesn't get as good of a laugh, it's your fault. <laughs> That is too funny. Yeah, it's great. Um, how do you? I, well, I'm curious about that. I, I think you know, temp love is a real is a real issue in our business. When when you know, temporary sound effects and music get mm -hmm. laid in by the picture editorial team, and you know, and then you come along and do your, but it's not what they're used to hearing. And sometimes they have a right. You know, how do what? So how do you? That's obviously a very fine needle to thread. How do you? How do you it, deal with that situation? It is a very fine needle to thread. That's why. If you're doing an action film, it's mm. it's easier because obviously they don't have all the, you know, especially with something with VFX. So they don't have the elements, right? They don't have the elements. They don't have a fleshed out track. So it's they're so much more accepting. And yeah. <laughs> then you can make a good, big, you know, fun track that uh, wasn't just exactly what they had. So, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. So you just, you know, you do the best you can. You try and augment in areas that you know aren't affecting the comedy. But the comedy sounds must always remain the same. <laughs> if it gets a laugh once. Yes, that's it. Exactly. Never gets touched again. Yeah, you never. Yeah. I've also got a lot of animation on my resume as well. Mm -hmm. Tons of animation. Yeah. Probably 16 films or something. And how is that different from for you? That's fun. That's really fun because it's um, everything's You're creative. Everything. Everything's creative, yeah. Right. Everything is created from scratch. There's no terrible production track to deal with. Um, it's easy to keep. When a production track is bad, as I know you both, you know, um, it, it's, uh, it narrows everything up. You know, it sucks everything into the center. Yeah. So when you have a nice clean track, you, you know, your image is nice and wide and, and you can hear all the panning and, you know, you don't have any noise to deal with. It, it's just it's very satisfying, you know? But it's also, I mean, from a, a mixing perspective, um, animation is a lot more work for you because, you know, it's, when you're recording production in a live action environment, all the sounds sit very naturally in that environment because they were recorded there to be right. With. So um, it's really almost like, you know, you, you're getting a lot of very clean, dry Foley coming in, right? So you have yeah. to make those sounds sit in that, wherever mm -hmm. that environment is. Yeah, it, that takes the longest, yeah. is to pre-dub the Foley, you know, right. in that process. And, um, yeah, but it's fun. I mean, that's what we right? do. That's why we get paid the big bucks, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's the, it's a challenge. And, um, and Foley is everything in animation. Because then if you don't, if it's not right, you have talking heads. And then if you're not believing the characters, then you're losing the audience and, you know... Everyone has to be sucked in, and, and it has to be completely believable, and you have to believe that these characters are in the situation doing these things. And so sound is very important. So um, I, I enjoy animation. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. 
what's you know at this point what what are the challenges for you what uh as you when you come in and you, you approach a new picture um you know what's what's your method of attack with uh with a new movie when it comes in you know what everything is always a challenge every you're learning every show you know and you're, you're meeting new people you're meeting new filmmakers and um you know and the challenge really is is to especially with new filmmakers is is to gain their trust mm -hmm. let them know that you're there to do your best for them and and to do that you know i mean when you say when you stop learning then you got to you got to get out you know and and to be open to new people that you work with i mean i i have been doing this a long time mm -hmm. and everybody is younger and younger <laughs> and that's fine because you know what they've got great ideas and give you you learn from them they learn from you mm -hmm. you know and and that's really the key it is a, a still very collaborative and and that's what makes it at its best you know we used to say that mixing movies is a team sport mm -hmm. you know everybody's got to be on the same team going for the same goal you know to make the best movie that you can make i mean we're on you know the we're at the end but we're still a part of this filmmaking process. We're right. still a part of making this movie, not just making the soundtrack. Yeah. Do you find that younger filmmakers are more collaborative and open, or is that not even a is that is that a valid generalization? I don't know if they're collaborative and open. They they certainly are n more knowledgeable in every aspect, mm. which is really interesting. I mean, I'll have young filmmakers like open their laptops and start putting VFX in. Right. You know. I don't remember, you know, some of the filmmakers I worked with, you know, when I first started doing that, you know, well, or yeah, anything it was like a whole that. Separate craft that yeah. Had its own. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't on your laptop. Right. Right. So. Do they do that with sound? Very, uh, you know? Some do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm curious about because uh, you know certainly one of the the trends that I've seen more and more, especially with you know. Pro Tools becoming a ubiquitous tool is that a lot of, you know, the functions that um, that traditionally would have been mixing functions when I started my career yes. are kind of slowly migrating into editorial. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious to see, you know, to hear you talk about how you work with sound editors, how you strike that balance of, you know, because obviously this is the most expensive part of the process, being mm -hmm. in, a, in a room like this paying hundreds or thousands of dollars an hour right <clears throat> and there's a lot of pressure to you know tighten those budgets and bring that down so what's the relationship that you have mm -hmm. with sound editors and how do you strike a balance between what you do and what they do well you know I guess it's been the last maybe 10 years that they they bring tracks kind of pre pre-mixed for you and mm -hmm. then you get things in 5-1 form it used to be they just brought tracks and it was just lots and lots of tracks and, and right. sheets and sheets of, of cue sheets. Cue sheets. Yeah. I mean, it was like um, wallpaper. Right. You know, I would 
have to lay them out on the floor of the theater. And, and, <laughs> and you'd have to audition a bunch of stuff, right? Yeah, and I'd use colored pens to organize, like I should put this here and this here and that. Wow. It was just, that's why colored Sharpies are always on a dubbing stage. <laughs> that's where it started. Is that true? Yes. Huh. It is true. Because you needed to mark up the cue sheets. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, to separate things out. I mean, it's definitely... Um, it takes up they do a lot of work before they get to us mm -hmm. so uh, we still have the option to change things because they're in a smaller environment sure so the sometimes the panning doesn't work doesn't translate yeah, yeah the reverbs don't work you know we have the option to change and do any of that um my relationships are usually pretty good and collaborative. I mean, I'll make suggestions. Could we add this? Could we add that? Do you think, do you, you know, or I'll say maybe, is this not working? What do you think, you know? It's always about how you say something in our business. <laughs> you know, you don't go, no, I hate this. You say, what do you think right. if I didn't play this and I favored this? You know, mm. everybody's... That's, that's not as threatening as what is this piece of crap sound effect exactly <laughs> well everybody's invested you know and and you don't want to to alienate anybody or right. yourself you know like i said it's a team sport yeah you know we all want to have a good time it's the good time part that's really important you know mm -hmm. i mean we spend hours in these rooms together and if we have a good rapport and things are going smoothly uh, the product is better that whole being angst and, you know, working round the clock with some crazy director who's making huge demands. And if, yeah. if everyone thinks that's a good way to do it and you get better product, I don't think so. Yeah. No. I don't think so. Yeah. But it's, I, you know, it, it, it is always interesting to me how stressful the mixing stage can be. It can. I think, you know, for a lot of directors and for a lot of filmmakers in general, I think that there's there's um there's a little bit of a reality check that happens on the mixing stage because there's you know there's usually as you're going through there's there's one more there's one more phase of the process where things can get fixed yes absolutely but this is pretty much the last stop you know this is this is this is what the film is going to be when it when it when it goes out and so there I've, I've just always thought that maybe there's just a moment of kind of panic that sets in when they realize like oh we're done now well there's that and then there's worst case scenario when they come to a realization that maybe it's not really working as well as they thought it was working, and then nothing's right. Mm. Yeah, and that is when that kind of tailspin panic sets in. That's awful, because that's and then you and then we here are struggling, and then we hear through the grapevine, oh yeah, the the di is not going well either, or oh yeah, the scoring is not going well either, and then you realize that it's not any of those things it's it's the insecurity of the filmmaker about the film right and then everybody suffers <laughs> well to you to your point you know the the tremendously successful mixers that i've had the pleasure of working with in, in my career I, I think that their success has a been about taste and about creativity and about you know the ability to execute but it's been at least as much about their ability to manage the stage. Absolutely. And control the flow mm -hmm. and work with the director. Yes. And get the, get the director's trust. Yeah. When they walk in and they feel calm 
and as though everything is well taken care of, then you're gold. Was that something that came naturally to you, or did you? How did you learn that over time and on the job? Um, I watched the master. <laughs> I worked with Andy Nelson. Andy works his stage very well, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he's a master at that. He is, and it and some of it has rubbed off, luckily. Yeah. So there you go. So Andy, if you're ever listening to this, I'm giving <laughs> you a whole big old shout out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and it's it's so because I've also been on mixing stages with younger mixers and you can tell like when that panic starts to set in and mm. people, you, you can feel when it just, when it's starting to spin out of control. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it can be ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, that having that, that voice of uh, reason and that voice of authority that, that seems to calm the filmmakers down. Just calm them down. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. It's such a huge part of the job. It, it is. It is a huge part of the job. And then, of course, dealing with the studio as well. You know. I'm curious about that. How much, I mean, uh, other than, you know, suits who come in and sit on the back couch and listen to the mix. I mean, how involved, um, I mean, I, we're obviously we're working in a mixing studio on a studio a lot. So mm-hmm. uh, do, do people tend to come and hang out on the mixing stage a lot and offer notes and, and, and that sort of thing? Well, there's always the big playback, right. you know, the final playback with lots of suits and everyone has input. Yeah. I so. guess it also depends on the director, doesn't it? It does. Very, very true. There you go. Sometimes, you know, depends on the director. If it's a big enough director. There are not a lot of people giving notes on a Steven Spielberg mix. No, I would say none. <laughs> Just the one that matters. Yes, absolutely. And that's the easiest scenario for us. Yeah. It's like one master is a good thing. I love a, a powerful director. Right. You know. A powerful, decisive director. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. I, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about um, kind of technological changes and 5.1, 7.1, and now the you know the object-based. Um, so you've had the opportunity to work in Dolby Atmos. I have. I've done three things. And just from a, a kind of a production workflow standpoint, were those were those native Atmos mixes, or were they 5.1, 7.1 mixes that you guys then went in and and redid in Atmos? I've done both. And. What, I guess I should just start by asking, what's your experience been with Atmos, and, and um, when do you think is it's a good tool? My first experience with Atmos was on the Ninja Turtles last mm-hmm. summer, and I did it natively. Mm-hmm. And um, on a film like that, I, it was really fun mm-hmm. because they're always on rooftops, <laughs> <laughs> and you hear their voices from the street, or you hear their movements from the street, so you could place them. So the over your heads, was, yeah. The height was a, was really a, helped us right. a lot. Yeah, and they are just flying around the room, you know. So, they, you know, the height and been across the the ceiling was a great tool. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and we did it natively. And um, then the fold downs, they it worked very well. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with the way it went to seven one and to five one. Mm-hmm. So it was a positive experience. Did you get involved in, in home theater mixes? I did that one on uh, on Turtles, and I was so pleasantly surprised. It really sounded great. Yeah. And I had no idea, because you, you do it in here, and then it goes away. <laughs> and you don't know what kind of Yeah, exactly. I don't it. know. Yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. So it goes away, and then I got a call from 
um, the person who does that for Paramount and asked me to come over and listen to the, you know, the the DVD. Which was a nice thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and see if I would approve it, right. which was lovely. And I, I sat down and I thought, this is really great. I was so happy with it. And had they done anything to it, or was it pretty much they set the faders at zero and? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. It's funny. I went and heard it once in in another room, and I wasn't happy at all. And then, and then I was told that that room wasn't set up correctly. Right. It's all. It's always the calibration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always the calibration. So then I was kind of like, "Am I going to get to hear this again?" Yeah. So um, anyway, I did, and and it was it was good. It was a very positive. Uh, well, I'm always experience. curious about that because there's certainly, I mean, there are mixers I've worked with who you know have felt like you know near field is a different monitoring environment. I, I want to cut. You know, I want to optimize mm -hmm. my mix for that, and they'll get in there and really kind of agonize and fine tune and tweak. And then I've also worked with mixers who are like, I'm, you know, I did my mix. It sounds great. Set the, fader, the faders at zero. It will, it will translate anywhere it needs to go. Well, I did the near field. Um, I'm trying to remember if I did it in, in this big room or in a smaller room. I think I did it here, but with, you know, the, the monitors all around me, the smaller monitors. Yeah. And it's a little weird experience when you're sitting in a huge room like this. Is. You have a, a little monitor with some little, little, you know, little speakers sitting around. Yeah, it is kind of different. But um, yeah, I did it here, and um, we did a few things. You know, I had to work it a little bit, but it it really turned out well. I was really happy with it. The way it all worked. Uh, one of the things that's always uh, interested me, been interesting to me, kind of about, I guess I would call it the LA way of working or tr traditionally was you know you had mixer teams that stayed together for yeah. a long time mm -hmm. but it, that seems to be changing yeah it's kind of a drag i liked I, it well i wanted to ask your opinion on that what do you you know what it's such a good thing to to be sitting next to someone and know exactly you, you get a shorthand you don't sure. even speak after a while you know you're sitting there i mean as an effects mixer i'm sitting there and i'm listening to the dialogue dialogue mixer trying to match ADR. So instantly, you know, I'm I'm thinking about I need some cloth movement. I need to put some footsteps in there. I need to get the foley to be working. I'm listening. I'm like, okay, um, I need to dull the foley up, make it match into the production a little better. And then as he comes into his ADR, mm -hmm. you know, it it, it just happens. That out, it right. just happens, yeah. you know. And um, you know, and okay, here comes the music cue. I hear the music. Okay, there's the music. Um, I better. I'm I'm gonna make room. Hear the entrance, good. You know what I mean. You just right. you get it. You get, you get a, it. You get into a flow. And a you get into a flow, absolutely. And yeah. you just you get it. And um, yeah, I liked it. I did it for eighteen years with the same partner. Yeah, it was a long marriage. It was. It was. <laughs> and uh, but you know, it's fun to work with different people. I mean, you, that's been. You also bit get exposed fun. to different ideas and approaches. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of that's good, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a partner now, you know, Terry Porter. We work together as much as we can, but mm -hmm. still, it's not like it once was. You're right, it's changing. Yeah. You know, there's very few of those teams that that stay together and work exclusively together, but there's a couple. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, what do you, I'm, I'm kind of curious, 
you know, we, we started talking about, you know, you, you went from Ryder over to Glen Glen because they were the place you hired women. Yeah. And how, how has that part of the industry changed over the course of your, your career? Because I think there are more women, but there's still, I mean, we're nowhere near 50%, that's for sure. No, but I will proudly tell you that there are three women mixing in this building today. So That's big progress. That's big progress. Yeah, it's big progress. Do they kind of look up to you as a as a as a mentor? Have you have you have you gotten that experience? Yes, I have. <laughs> yes, yes, I have. And um, you know, yeah, and it's kind of weird, but you know, I'm excited that there's more. I, yeah, I think course. it's a great thing. Do you? I'm I'm curious. What are your thoughts about, you know? How, as an industry, can we address that? How can we change that? How can we? How can we bring more women into? into it seems like it's happening right you now. Like, you feel like I do. Every time I, I open the trades, they're talking about more the success of women directors. Right. You know, and if it starts there, when it starts at the top, right, it will organically evolve that way, yeah. and we will eventually be fifty yeah. percent. I think editorial is very close. There's right. lots of female. There's a long editors. history of very successful female picture editors. Yes, there business. is. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're getting there. You know, um, mixing is, is, is a hard avenue. It, it always has been. Why do you say that? Well, I think it's just, it's almost traditionally that way. And it's, you know, some things are just because they've always been that way. Sure. Which makes little or no sense. Right. But. That's momentum. Yeah. Yeah, but it's changing. It's changing. And more and more sound designers are mm -hmm. mixers. So, you know, there needs to be more of that, more women doing sound design and moving into mixing that way. Right. Right. Well, that's how that's how young people become mixers now, is, is they yeah. tend to, to come up through, through sound design. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time today. It's a pleasure to be here, you know, on the mixing stage with Anna Belmer. Um, this is uh, Glenn Kaiser from the Dolby Institute and uh, the podcast series Conversations with Sound Artists with the uh, Soundworks Collection. Signing off. Thank you, Anna. You're welcome. Thank you.